You're listening to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I'm your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. In this show, we explore Bella Figura, the art of beautifying all facets of your life, with a focus on heritage as a means to do so. In each episode, I talk to designers, writers, fashion bloggers, healers, and others from various ethnic backgrounds about what I call the holy, the elemental, and the majesty, their culture's spiritual style, its principal values, and their lineage and family stories, all in a straight talk manner with minimal woo-woo. Join me in spiritual conversations for the rest of us. Your heritage is your superpower. Learn how to wield it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. So happy to have you here and uh, excited for this episode. I guess I'm, I'm usually excited for all of them, which is a good thing, and I hope that you are as well. Uh, today's episode will focus uh, more on physical health, I feel like, than some of the episodes so far have. And I think if we're going to talk about wellness and uh, being connected to our ancestry, we need to focus on our bodies as much as we focus on our spirits. And if you recall from episode four with Mallory Vaudois, she actually talked about the fact that the body is literally the gift that our ancestors gave us. She, she says we are a remix of their DNA. Their bodies created our bodies. And because of that, the body, Mallory says, along with the home, but she really went in to talk about it in depth about the body, is the first place we need to start if we want to have a good relationship with our ancestors. And also taking care of our bodies has to do, of course, with Bella Figura and presenting yourself well to the world. I very strongly believe that what we what the world sees is what the world thinks of us. And it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves in many ways, and that includes our physical health. I'm a very big proponent of eating well, exercising, and you know, the work that we do spiritually and mentally is also to keep our bodies in, the, in optimal health so that we can live the most beautiful lives possible. So this show I'm going to file under the elemental, which is, of course, our culture's principal values. And for me, as a Southern Italian, one of our culture's principal values is this idea of bella figura and taking care of yourself, taking care of your things and your appearance, your physique, your skin, your hair, you know, and then, of course, more external things, your home and your work and having pride in all of these things. So with that said, let's launch in here, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my wonderful guest. Her name is Amy Raup. Amy Raup is a renowned women's health and wellness expert and the best-selling author of the books Chill Out and Get Healthy, Yes, You Can Get Pregnant, and Body Belief, 
a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist in private practice in New York. She holds a Master of Science degree in traditional oriental medicine from the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and a bachelor's degree in biology from Rutgers University. Amy is also the founder of Amy Raup Beauty line of handcrafted organic skincare products. She's appeared on The View, has been featured in Glamour, Allure, Well Plus Good, Goop, Shape, and Reebok. And she has received endorsements from Deepak Chopra, Dr. Christian Northrup, Ariana Huffington, and Gabby Bernstein for her work. Amy is also the head of Chinese medicine at The Well, an active columnist, and she's a frequent speaker at women's health and wellness conferences across the nation. Amy's main focus, or her strong focus, is on women's fertility. But the wonderful thing about Amy, and I am one of Amy's clients, the wonderful thing about Amy is that Fertility is an extension of our physical, spiritual, and mental health, right? So she's not just focusing on your uterus (laughs) and nothing else. She's focusing on all of the things that contribute to your, your fertility and your reproductive health working in the best possible way. I actually started seeing Amy, like literally my first consultation with her was a week before I got pregnant, um, you know, I didn't actually start working with her. It just kind of happened that way, you know, um, but she does focus on fertility. So perhaps, perhaps our conversation helped me out, (laughs) but I do continue to see her because I, I really feel like focusing 360 on all of these things is super important, especially for women. You know, we go to the gynecologist and the gynecologist focuses on one part of our body. We go to a cardiologist and the cardiologist focuses on one part of our body. We go to church and that focuses on our spirits. And it's really important that we bring all of those things together when talking about our health. Amy, in the sense of you know, being a guest on my show, it's a little different of an approach because Amy talks about her heritage, uh, her personal heritage, which of course is what you're accustomed to hearing. But she also talks about taking on elements from another culture, in in this case, Chinese culture, because uh, Amy is a practitioner of Chinese medicine, although she herself is not of Chinese ancestry. And I thought that would be a really interesting conversation and an aspect of heritage, you know, would be great to explore. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already left a review on iTunes, I would love it if you did. It it really helps for getting the show out there so that other people can join our conversation. And it also helps me to keep getting these terrific guests that I've been lining up for all of us to listen to and to learn from their wisdom and experience and work. So thank you all who have already done that. I'm really grateful. And please, if you haven't already, consider taking some time to do so. You can also subscribe to the show, which means you will never miss an episode. And you can join me on Instagram. You can just search Dolores Alfieri and I'll pop up as Dolores Alfieri Toronto. Okay, let's jump into this conversation with Amy Raup and I will meet you guys on the other side. Hey, Amy, welcome to Bella Figura. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so so nice to to see your face. You too. (laughs) So as I mentioned... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as I mentioned in the intro, Amy and I have known each other for a little while now. I'm I'm one of her clients and I go to her uh, on the reg to keep healthy and just make sure everything is doing what it what it needs to do and working well. And I get acupuncture from you and we just talk about everything from, you know, like physical things to emotional, spiritual, and you're kind of like an overall 
All the things. Health practitioner. I always say health is mental, emotional, physical, nutritional, and spiritual. You know, so to me, it's really important to hit on all of them. And you do. Um, Yeah, I try to. So we're, we've had a, I haven't seen you in a couple months though, because I had like a bug. I had to cancel one. And then you had a a baby. Yeah. I had a baby. That was a big one. That that was a big one. You had a baby. Then, yeah. Then you had to cancel an appointment and then, um, the COVID crisis. Right. Now quarantine. So, uh, we are recording this in the middle of quarantine and kind of, uh, at least in our neck of the woods on the East coast, we are hitting our, what we think is the peak. Hopefully on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, hopefully on, on Sunday, they're, they're Sunday. saying Easter. Yes. You know, we're praying for everybody, obviously, who's yes. who's affected and who's sick right now. And we're also praying that we all kind of get through this. So to start, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. And this episode is going to be a little, I think, a little different than some of the other ones, which is great. Like a, a different meaning coming from a, a different aspect. Mm-hmm. But to start, can you tell me a little bit about, about your heritage and the, where you come from and the people you come from? Let's start there. Sure. Well, I was always raised understanding that I'm half German and half Irish, Hmm. but according to 23andMe, I'm a little less German than I thought. There's a little English and French in there as well, but I am still pretty Irish. And, you know, my my mom's family is, uh, her parents were first generation here in the U.S. So my grandparents were first generation, yeah, from Ireland. Um, and my dad's family, I think his, his mom, uh, second generation from, from Germany, um, and his dad was English and Scottish. And that's where I think I get some of that in there. And there's a little French in there in the mix too. But yeah, I guess, you know, we didn't have a very strong heritage upbringing, if you will. I think maybe I was more attached to the Irish piece of things. Um, I've spent a good amount of time in Ireland. Uh, I had a couple Irish boyfriends, you know, um, <laughs> spent a good, good amount of time in Dublin, almost moved there for with one of the guys. Um, I love it there. And, you know, I feel, I definitely feel very attached to that part of the country. And when I'm in that, and when I'm in Ireland, you know, I really do feel a sense of belonging, which is interesting. Mm, So I've always definitely had that side, um, you know, and people will look at me, you know, and they always can say that, you know, as, as they would say that I'm black Irish or dark Irish, you know, cause I have the dark hair and the light yes. eyes. I guess that's, you know, the, the bit of it. My mom comes from a family of six and they're all just a very Irish Catholic upbringing and all the Irish names and, you know, but, but yeah, that's, I actually didn't know all that about you. So that's really interesting. I see it in your face. Yeah. You you can definitely see that. And I wonder, like, I'm just listening to you talk. I wonder if Ireland had had a kind of culture of, you know, acupuncture and herbal healing. I don't know if, A, I don't know if they do, but B, I wonder if that is something you could have pursued, you know what I mean? Like if it was there. Yeah, absolutely. They do. I actually looked into it. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't going to be that hard to get my because I was practicing at the time when I was, when I almost moved there, right around the time my first book came out, Chill and Get Healthy. I was dating a guy who lived in Dublin and, you know, we were considering, he was in a graduate program over there. So we were considering, I actually spent the summer there with him to kind of see, and then, then we decided to not, not move forward with it, but, um, good man, you know, send him love always. 
but yeah, it's, you know, acupuncture and herbal medicine, pretty popular over there. I actually have, you know, with my online coaching now, I have several clients in Ireland. And so it's great. I can get them. It's easier to, for them to get herbs. They don't always have to go straight through the herbalist. So I can actually get them the names of the herbs and they can go get them. But oh, acupuncture is very popular over there. There's acupuncture schools. But it's still Chinese based. Yeah, it's still Chinese-based, of course. Yeah, 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 so yeah. That is my other heritage, I think. Right, you know, that which we'll talk I've about. I've adopted the, you know, I've been practicing Chinese medicine for 16 years in clinical practice, but 20 years since I started studying Chinese medicine and very much live in accordance with the Chinese medicine theories, like living in, in with nature and listening to our bodies and really staying in touch emotionally and nutritionally and understanding how, you know, health is impacted by both, you know, things I talk about a lot are like emotional inflammation and physical inflammation, you know, and, and how to work through that. And I love the Chinese medicine theories. And ever since, you know, I remember being introduced to Chinese medicine, I was studying Western medicine and then kind of fell into acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And I just remember how much it resonated with me. Definitely felt like, I don't know, my karma or in my blood on some level. Yeah. It called to you. So, you know, for instance, me, I really, I love partaking in things that are rooted in my Southern Italian culture, but, but I do find holes quote unquote, for instance, like meditation. Yes. You know, I have a like most people, a very active mind. I I do have a little trouble meditating these days because of the baby and I'm just, my life is just yeah. a little more, uh, yeah, it's just hard to find time to do anything, but I probably need it more than ever. But anyway, <laughs> I there's not really a tradition that I know of, at least at this point, of like meditation, like sit still, close your eyes and meditate. There's, there's dance, of course, mm-hmm. there's praying the rosary, there's yes. music. But the prayer is meditation, I think, for certain. But yeah, I agree too. And I, you know, it's one of the things that I love the most is just really the quieting of the mind mm-hmm. piece. And and I think that's what is, is great. We can pick and choose. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly where I'm going with it. That yeah. you you do, you know, as much as I in this show and I like advocate, right? Using your ancestral practices, you still you still need, and it's still great to pull in from other cultures, and that's the beauty of the world we live in. Yeah, and I always, you know, I didn't know my grandmother on my mother's side. She passed before I was born, but from the stories that I gather, we're very similar women, you know, as far as like the way I cook mm-hmm. and the way, you know, like the way I make my broths and my soups and my stews, and it just and really good quality animal products and just. I don't know, just that like there was a, such a tradition in my yes. mom's family growing up that we didn't necessarily have in, in my family growing up. My mom always cooked and stuff, but she worked full time. You know, it was just a little different. I think so much right. of my career is based around nutrition and nourishing ourselves. And yes. I do feel like I'm very in touch with kind of my grandmother and my great grandmother, the way they did things, which is also very in touch with the nature and the seasons. And that's, you know, the premise of Chinese medicine. So I do think it's like brought me back to my roots in an interesting way, you know? I love that. Like, so you, you can feel like your literal ancestors in the work that you're doing, even, even if it's not based, for instance, in like completely in Irish practices, but you, you do, you have like, um, it's like old school, like what I like to call like old school, new age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like going back to what our ancestors did by default. Yeah. And that's one thing I say to clients all the time. I'm like, I want you to start cooking like your grandmother cooked or your great grandmother. That's really what we should be focused on because we've just gotten so far from it in today's society. So it's just really getting back to our roots. And, and Chinese medicine has a nice 
outline for that. Irish traditions, I mean, I suppose too, right? Prayer is a big piece of that and cooking and dancing and singing, you know, all of those things, which I did grow up around for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, tell me a little bit about how you, you came to Chinese medicine. What was your path? Yeah, my path there was, so I, you know, I went to college and I studied biology and chemistry and my plan was to go to medical school. I didn't get accepted the first time I applied, which was a huge crush, but I now look back and say it was probably one of the best things of my life Mm. because it, it led me in a different direction. So then I went into graduate school for neuroscience and was reapplying and retaking my MCATs and all these things. And I was also going through health issues myself. I had some pretty bad eczema all over my body. I had some digestive issues, some menstrual issues, and nothing was really helping me or working. I was not eating well. I was recovering from an eating disorder. I definitely drank too much. You know, like all the things. I was in my 20s, just didn't have the healthiest lifestyle. My mom actually was getting acupuncture. I was on the West Coast and she was back here on the East Coast and she encouraged me to go get some acupuncture to see if that would help my eczema. It had gotten all over my face and mm. my ego got really involved. Like I was, I didn't want to leave the house. Sure. It was all over my eyes. Sure. It was miserable. So I went to acupuncture and, you know, it was really, it was just such an eye opener. And then they talked about my diet and my stress levels. And I remember like when I got the needles, I, I cried. Like I, I had this big emotional release on the table. And, and I don't know, there was something that really struck me at that point that I looked into, you know, going to Chinese medicine school, because there was a school right there in San Diego where I was, and it's a four-year program. And one of the guys on my floor at UCSD, he was a neuropharmacologist. He was also an herbalist and he taught at the acupuncture school. He taught herbs He's a Chinese guy. And he, he was like, I think you should go check out the clinic. It's pretty amazing. You know, you're going to love Chinese medicine. And the, the doctor that I was working under in my research lab out at UCSD, his wife was getting acupuncture. She was going through breast cancer treatments and it was helping with her side effects. And so he was reading this book called The Web That Has No Weaver by Ted Kapchuk, who actually is a big placebo researcher. He's up at Harvard, but he's also an acupuncturist. And that was, you know, that was kind of it. I started reading that book and I looked into the the programming and like I always say, I never looked back. I left UCSD and I went to Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and, you know, I'm so grateful for it on so many levels. And the first year they they focus a lot on the psycho- psychological aspect and it's the, the premise is like healer has to heal thyself before they can heal anybody else. Mm. And so that first year was such a game changer for my life on so many levels of mental, emotional health and how do I nourish myself and it changed my life. And yeah, it yeah. seems like everything just kind of fell into place. Like when yeah. it was time, it just all yeah, lined up. Exactly. And you I know, was young I, to happen, you know, 20, I think I was 25 when I started school there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. A nice early start. I first got acupuncture about, I think it was like 10 or so years ago, maybe a little more. I was at this writing retreat. I'd won a fellowship and we were there. It was a month long. And yeah, it was, and it was all different kinds of artists. It was a little different than some of the other fellowships I'd done. Just writers, musicians, painters, and such great people I met there. And a bunch of them were already way into acupuncture. And at the time my father had recently passed away mm. and it was like this period where I was, I don't know. I just like, when I think about this period, I was just like a ball of like mm-hmm. tension, troubles, tensions, mind. I didn't 
I had no idea what was happening yet. Like now I look back because I've been through so much and done so much work. I understand what was happening to me. You know, I was so caught up in like stories I was making in my own mind. And I remember like one or two of them, girls I'd become friends with, like, you have to try acupuncture. And the reason I thought of this story is because you mentioned like crying when you first got, and I don't, I don't know if I cried, but I remember thinking, whoa, like on the feeling, it just like, and I still feel that way now when I, you know, when I come to you, especially if it's been a a while and Mm -hmm. I've been really tense, that it feels like almost like ice picks, like gentle little ice Mm -hmm. picks breaking that hardness. Yeah. The stagnation for sure. And that's like, you feel that you do. You feel believable. That's what we say that disease, which is just any discomfort or disharmony in the body, it doesn't have to be like a diagnosable disease, is chi stuck somewhere. So energy is just stuck somewhere. And we just, acupuncture is great at making it flow. And when things are flowing, you know, in nature, in life, in harmony, there's ease, there's there's harmony, there's uh, health, vitality, you know, and you just, it's really good to help. Yeah. Assist the flow. And that was similar for me. I just, you know, especially I was studying Western medicine and we just looked at it so differently. It was so in the microcosm and Mm. uh, Chinese medicine is so macro, you know, it really, really looks at everything and how is it all fitting together? And that just spoke to me, just made, the only way I could describe it, it was just made so much sense to me. It was hard for me to be on that micro level. Of like treating something yeah, and the West after it happened. Like, yeah, it was like, like I was studying Alzheimer's disease, right, in a research lab, at, you know, UCSD, and um, we were taking like cells from the brain of rats and putting them in the dish, and then adding these proteins to see if it would cause the plaques that they would see in the brains of the Alzheimer patients, and you were trying to recreate it in the lab. And the one thing I would always get stuck on was like, but what about all the other factors in these people's lives? Like, we're not taking that Mm. into account. And I was always the odd man out. Nobody could like, they almost like couldn't even comprehend what I was saying, you know, because I was like, but what about the diet? What about the lifestyle? What about if they were depressed or they weren't moving enough or, you know, genetic factors or, and it was. It is very, it was very on the microcosm and you know, my brain just didn't work that way. I didn't know that at the time, but it was a real struggle for my brain to, to, to work that way. And Chinese medicine is just, you know, the kind of the polar opposite. And I, and I love that. So that when you found that you were like, oh, that's the answer to this, <laughs> that yeah, feeling it, it that all I have made inside. Sense. It just like literally all made sense. Yeah. I and mean, it's just the way my brain works. Like I love with my cases, I'm like a detective and I'm like looking under every little rock of like, oh, okay. So when did you start taking that? And then when did this happen? And what? Oh, and then you had that breakup. Oh, okay. This makes sense to me. You know what I mean? And then put it together that way. And that's really how Chinese medicine works. And we look, you know, at the mental and the emotional and the physical and the nutritional and the spiritual. And then also like the environment in which you live and what you surround yourself with and, you know, all of these things and come together. So the, a, a big uh, kind of umbrella of the show is the idea of, you know, living beautifully. And mm-hmm. uh, there's so many modalities nowadays, right, for you to kind of harness, you know, pow- your inner power and things like that. And my approach is just using kind of culture and heritage as just one of the modalities, right? Just an entry point. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to Chinese medicine, are there any kind of like top tenants that we can talk about that are used to encourage like a life well lived? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we always go back to living in accordance with the DAO, as in D-A-O or T-A-O, like Mm -hmm. that And that's, it's like respecting nature and respecting your body and how it moves in nature, sleeping enough, processing emotions, eating a balanced diet, not burning the candle at both ends. You know, I mean, that's where I always go back to is just kind of living in accordance with nature. There's a season for everything and Mm. there's a flow and there's a high point and there's a very dormant point. And, you know, to just kind of be in that rhythm of things that that really is the sense of vitality. And we also say she the Chinese character for chi is, is basically the steam that rises above rice when you cook it. So it's hmm. basically like something you can't really see, but you can kind of feel and maybe smell and it's a little moist. And that chi is like our vitality, our life force, you know? And so same thing of, of how are you living to promote your chi? How are you eating? How are you thinking to promote your chi? And then also how are you depleting your chi, right? Are you pushing yourself too much? Are you not sleeping enough? You know, you're going to bed at midnight and up at five and having a high intense workout and not eating until noon and drinking coffee all morning. And, you know, like th- that kind of thing, like that is kind of the life we're in right now. We're very disconnected from nature. And so so to me, that's always the tenant to come back to is, you know, are you living in accordance with nature? It seems like right now we're in, we're in like a certain season, right? Don't you feel yeah. like you've been like thrust? Inward. I actually think it's, it's tough. I know it's tough and I know it's a scary time for a lot of people, but I actually think it's quite beautiful and it's really forcing us to slow down and reconnect yeah. in a way that we, we haven't been able to. What I hear across the board, you know, I'm still running my online business and coaching with a lot of my clients and everybody's sleeping more, everybody's cooking more. It's the only option, you know, I mean, some take out, but uh, they're connecting more with people. And, you know, even if it's like video mm-hmm. chats, um, mm-hmm. we're, we're connecting more mm-hmm. and we're, we're at home and we're doing like home projects or getting in the garden. And that's the stuff that we just, we don't give ourselves enough time for, but if we could on a regular basis and we slowed down to that point, yeah, we'd really fall back into living in accordance with nature. I think you might be the third guest or second or third guest that I've talked to went at the peak, you know, now that we're mm-hmm. kind of, things are really tough and, and everyone's kind of saying that same thing, you know, even uh, amongst like the clients that they work with and whatever their work actually is. But even in my own life, I just talked to two friends this week and I'm, you know, how are you doing? How's everyone doing? And both of them were like, you know, with, without minimizing the pain that many yeah. people are going through and the suffering and the loss, we're having a, we're, we're great. Like we really are having a great time. The kids like are happy because mommy and daddy are home and we're just, we, you know, I, one of my friends said she feels so much more, so much calmer because she doesn't have to stick to this rigid schedule because, okay, if, if her daughter doesn't want to take her nap at this hour, not the end of the world because they don't have a hundred other things scheduled afterwards. So they can kind of just go with like the rhythm of the day and how everyone's feeling the flow. Yeah. It just, it just kind of lets us breathe a little more in a weird, in a weird twist. I know it is. It's interesting. It's such a, uh, you know, energetic shift for so many to go just inward and slow down. So what are some of your clients saying? Like, what are you, you're doing work virtually. 
Yeah. And what are some of the things that you feel like are coming up for people, obviously without betraying anybody, like yeah. <laughs> specifically, you know, well, privacy wise, but like the, just noticing how much less stressed they are because they're not going into a workplace that maybe has a lot of stressors. They're sleeping more that, you know, they're trying different recipes and getting very creative with things and you know, having family dance parties or family walks and hikes and, you know, doing a lot of those. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's just, it's, it's, it, everybody, I agree. It's like, there's a lot of pain and suffering and not to undermine that by, by any means, but for the people that are quarantining and are healthy and are safe, they seem to actually be enjoying themselves. So your patients seem to be kind of like on the healthier side, maybe because they've been seeing you for so long, but they're not necessarily coming to you with like more anxiety or there's some anxiety. Like I have a client right now, um, she's in Hong Kong and they've been on lockdown for like two months and they just found someone, a family actually has coronavirus in their building and it was really stressful and she was super anxious about it. The anxiety is there and we'll talk through it and she's doing her meditation. and, And she's also though noticing like, okay, if I continue to do all these things, like eat this way and take some supplements and get enough rest. It's like, we're all healthy, you know? And so just, I guess I'm trying those people that are feeling the anxiety. And I think even for all of us, it's, it's a time to reflect on all that we do have and how lucky we are and how like to, to focus on the gratitude. And so, yeah, the anxiety can come up for some, and I think everybody's a little concerned. So many people's works are affected or their incomes are affected, myself included. My clinics are closed and that's a huge part of my income, but it's just, it's, it's allowing us to refocus. And then also just as Gabby was saying the other day on her uh, Instagram of like, don't sweat the small stuff. You know what I mean? It's gonna, it's gonna work out in the end. It really is. And I think, I think a lot of us are awakening to a new way of doing things. Like we're, we're pivoting instead of letting the crisis paralyze us, we're pivoting. And I am seeing a lot of that too. So a lot of creativity happening. A lot of creativity is a good way to put it. I I agree. Even even if you're just talking about simple things like cooking and baking, which a lot Mm -hmm. of people, as you said, are doing for sure. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's, it's great in that respect. The overall environment, unfortunately, is heavy and, and hard. So I do want to pivot, to use your word. Your focus is fertility. It's mm-hmm. a major part of what you do. You've written books on it, and a lot of your clients come to you for that. So I just want to talk a little bit about that, and maybe we can start with the connection between fertility and good health. I mean, I know that's like a broad. No, I was say, <laughs> fertility is an extension of health, and they are not separate. And unfortunately, I think the Western medicine paradigm and the fertility doctors they they make you feel like your fertility is just an extension of your hormone levels and the blood work that they do and what your ovaries look like. But it's so much more than that, right? Our yeah. Chinese medicine we see fertility as a luxury. First of all, oh when you have an abundance of chi and blood or our vital substances, we call them chi, blood, and essence. When we have an abundance of those, there's an overflow. And then the body says, yeah, I have enough. I have enough to make a human, you know, this is good. And so to, to, you know, that's how we see it. And so when I work with my clients, that's really the focus is, is to get this abundant, you know, vitality back. And then fertility should just happen secondary to that. And of course, I mean, you can fold in the aging factor. I mean, fertility does decline with age, of course. But Chinese medicine, we say if a woman lives in accordance with the Tao, 
she is fertile until her late 40s. 49 is actually the number that we say. Obvious, and so I always say to women, if you're still menstruating and ovulating, I think we can figure this out. But And even still, and if you're not, I think I could actually restore normal functioning of your endocrine system and your ovaries and your menstruation. And that should be able to you know, help get you pregnant. One thing that people, you know, people love to ask, what should I eat to get pregnant? What supplements do I need to take? What about these antioxidants? And, you know, I always then tie into like, there's physical inflammation that's causing us to age quicker than we should, maybe too much stress in our lives. And that could be impacting our hormones, but then there's the emotional inflammation. And that's the piece that, you know, I really do love to get into as well, that, you know, health is is mental and emotional just as much as it's physical and nutritional. Emotional inflammation. So is that the stress? That would be like stress. That's stress. And that's also, you know, what I get into in my my third book, Body Belief. It's like how we talk to ourselves, like the story mm. we tell. Mm. Um, you know, it's science has shown us now, current neuroscience research shows us that our thoughts become neurotransmitters in our brain. They, they basically they cause a trigger in our brain to impact physiological functioning. So if your thought is constantly, you know, I'm not good enough, or my body is broken, or I'm too old, or there's no hope, your body will start to respond and actually like align with that because you know. And and I we could also just step back and say it's putting you in this constant state of fight or flight which is not a very safe environment for fertility, for pregnancy. Mm. Women do get pregnant in those states. Of course they do. Um, We know that, you know, women have gotten pregnant during wars and, you know, all sorts of things, um, you know, very unfortunate circumstances. But for majority of people, it's, it's really also the sustained, you know, trauma from such events, like it's sustained fight or flight for a long period of time, really just uh, wreaks havoc on your, endocrine system, your hormones, and, you know, basically does not create a very safe or fertile environment. So like any kind of, you said like prolonged stress. So like if you're living a life that every day is just, you're just in that like heart racing panic. Yeah. And also like grief, grief, sadness, anger, resentment, a job you hate, relationship that feels blah, or that also I I see a lot too of like very much this thing of like, I'll be happy when I get the baby, you know? And it's like, "Mm -mm, you got (laughs) to do it now. Right. It's it's a lot of pressure. I heard a spiritual woman say, that's a lot of pressure to put on the spirit of that child that's coming through. That's a lot of pressure to put on them. And I think that's a really good way to look at it. That is a good way to put it. So what are your thoughts on kind of like what seems at least to be like rampant infertility in our society? I mean... I mean, I think it's a complete disconnect from our environment um, and our mental emotional space. Since the 80s, we've introduced 100,000 chemicals, maybe more, into our environment. Many of them are endocrine-disrupting chemicals, so they're they're screwing with our hormones, and that's impacting women more than men. Uh, um, It's also impacted the incidence of autoimmune diseases. A lot of women dealing with fertility challenges tend to have some kind of either overlooked or undiagnosed autoimmune condition, such as like Hashimoto's or celiac or endometriosis. And then I think the other layer is this, the way we're living our lives is just very disconnected, you know? So there's there's a big emotional disconnect. And there's just, 
this, I think for women, and I'm one of them as well, so I don't judge, but there's just this pressure to do it all. Be the good partner and to know how to cook and to run a good household and to also have a high paying lucrative job and career and you know, graduate degrees and you know all the things yeah. and it's just a lot of pressure and and I think we don't know our why a lot of times that's like one thing I, I always kind of get to with my clients is like well what is your why why do you want to make a child like what is it who why do you want to bring this child into this world like what is the purpose for you many people don't ask that question of themselves it's more just like oh isn't that what we're supposed to do or it's time I'm 35 I should have a child do you like your partner do you really want to make a human with that person you know <laughs> It's a real bond. I mean, once you do that, it's true. It's the stakes are high. They're different, you know, than they were before. Fertility challenges are really uh, a major issue right now. You know, there's, I think, 8 million couples are affected. Uh, It's a high number, one in, what is it, one in five, one in six. Significant right now. And I think it's just women are also put on the birth control pill from like 15 until 30 and then told that they can go off it and everything will be fine you know, research is showing us it's not the case. Um, and that's just a, the quality of our life. Thing. Yeah. Life. That's a big thing. Birth control. I, I have a couple things that are totally anecdotal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really talk, I haven't really talked about, but one is for me, you know, I, with, with this baby, thank God we were blessed. I got, I got pregnant very easily, you know, knock on wood and, you know, totally blessed. But one thing I think about when I think about, okay, how, maybe why would that be? I was never on birth control. Same. I never was either. You too? Yeah, never. I went on it once for like, same in college. Th- and I was same. like, this is horrible. I hate it. <laughs> same. Ex- I was like, this is disgusting. I don't, I don't feel good on this. It does not feel right. And yeah. do you think that that could be a, I do. I do. I, do I really too. do. I just, you have way and more I, knowledge I than I do. I think it's anecdotal. Yeah. And the truth is, is we're the rare, we're the rare right. cases. So we're just, you know, um, it's, it's hard to study us. Um, but yeah, when I, you know, and I mean, I can't tell you, it's, it's so common practice. I'll get a woman in and she's like, oh yeah. I mean, some of these, when they're on the pill for like 30 years, 25 years, sorry, 15 to 35 and then it can take a year to establish a normal ovulation after going off the pill. But there's po- they're calling it pers- post-birth control syndrome now. Is that there's actually oh. a term for it. And it's just the hormonal imbalances that occur. And it just takes a long time to unpack and, and restore. And there are women that go off the pill and they get pregnant that next month, sure. But again, that's really not the case. It's not, the, right. It's not common. Right, exactly. I remember when I was younger, I think... I think I had another gynecologist, a female, and I remember her saying there was like this, I don't know, maybe they were coming out with these things that you put like in your arm and all this crazy stuff that they have now. And I was like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that that's, that's for me. And she said to me, I'll never forget this. She said, there is no medical reason why you need to get your period every month. Uh And I was like, what? Talk about not living in accordance with nature. Exactly. Exactly. And even as naive and young as I was then, I was like, that is crazy. And I'm finding a new doctor. And I did because just instinctually, like that can't be true. (laughs) It just can't be true. It's so wrong. Yeah. On so many levels. I mean, it literally just shuts down this whole really important system in your body. I mean, 
it's so important for a woman to menstruate and to ovulate and to go through all those monthly changes. It's just so incredibly important. And I mean, for all of you that like are on the pill and now freaking out, don't freak out. Like you can undo the damage. And I would just, I would just start working on diet and lifestyle now, mm-hmm. get off the pill at least six months before you want to start trying for a child right. and really pay attention to the chemicals in your environment, your diet, your, you know, how you're managing your stress, your sleep, all of these things. And you can, you can restore normal function again. And a lot of women do, but I do think it's playing a big role. And also the pill sets you up with so many nutrient deficiencies. So by the time you get off of it, you're just, you're so deficient in like your B vitamins and your D. And I mean, it's just, it's a really, it's, it's, it's a a road to recovery. It, It truly is. Wow. And that's just, I mean, just so people, just so women know, especially, you know, if they're, if they're struggling with fertility, that this, this could be something. And like you said, it can be addressed, but they need to see someone like you and start perhaps getting on that, on that road. Do you think, so the pill was, I think if I'm remembering correctly, came out in like the seventies, 1970s, at least it's here. Yeah. So we talk a lot about ancestors on this show. That's a big part of the work and being in touch with them. And even just kind of what you said about your Irish grandmother and great grandmother, just having that connection makes your life so much richer. Correct me if I'm wrong. It does not seem like our ancestors had so many infertility problems, correct? It did not. No. And they so, all had those like accidental babies in their late forties. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, I know a lot of people who, whose mothers were like 50 or something crazy when they had them. Especially you, non-US. If they're not living in the US, they're just much more fertile. Right. So what do you, I know you kind of mentioned that, but, so but I think it's lifestyle. Control, too, right? lifestyle. They cooked more at home. They all had their own gardens. The, you know, the butcher was the guy next door and they would go get the eggs from the chicken in the backyard. And they stopped work at 5.30 and we didn't have all these devices and we weren't attached and on all the time and the news. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot. We're, we're very disconnected from nature. Everybody had a garden back then. Every, you know, they were like outside, they were doing things and they just, they really did live in accordance with the seasons. There was a lot less less technology. So when it got dark, it was inside time and dark time. Do you know what I mean? We're really yes. respecting the laws of, uh, you know, of nature. Humanity, <laughs> like what it means to be human. So I want to ask you something and I want to preface it by saying I completely support IVF, people who are doing IVF. It's, it's a miracle. It's like, it's allowing so many people that even I know to have babies. So I want to make that very clear, but I wonder, has like an industry grow kind of popped up around this that is also encouraging the infertility? Billion dollar industry. Billions. Billions. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of girls that get IVF that don't need it. And I'm same thing. I support you wherever you're at. And I always say that to my girls, like, uh, ideally I'd love a couple months before you go and do an IVF cycle so I can get you ready or we can see if it, maybe things can work on their own. If you're in the middle of a cycle and they still want to work, absolutely. I support them wherever they're at. And that's sure. like a big thing for me. As long as they feel good about it, I want to make sure their heart's in it and they're not doing it because just so stressed out and they think this is their only option and they lost all hope. You know, that's where I'd work deeper, but absolutely. I think there are some patients who are pushed to do IVF that never needed it. Right. And they and could. some of that though is not on the doctor. Some of that is on the patients. Because, sure. sure. You know, women, women get what they want, you know? So if, if I mean, I just had a, a young girl, you know, I mean, she's early thirties, she healthy, fit. She had a miscarriage and then 
somehow fell into this had this pattern of like all of a sudden they were doing fertility treatments and and came to me like she was just about to do IVF and I mean she's so young and healthy and for those of you that have done IVF you'll know this is like crazy they got like I think they got like 23 normal embryos out of her which is just like outlandishly like most women like if we get two or three we're like oh my gosh and (laughs) and I just was like honey I mean that's fine We're, we're doing it and you know and that's great but you did not need to do IVF. It was not necessary. Go down and take time. But there was this, you know, and I get it too. I mean, a miscarriage is significant. So it was like she miscarried and there was fear and trauma. And then just, it just, you know, spiraled very quickly. There's that industry there to kind of catch someone in that state. You can find a doctor who will treat you. You know what I mean? And I I wish she would have found a doctor that said, okay, let's just take a couple deep breaths try again for six months. And if you're not pregnant and sick, and there's, there's, those doctors exist too. There's a lot of fertility doctors out there that will say exactly that. Like you're young, you're healthy, your numbers look great. If you're not pregnant in six months, give me a call. Right. And then there are other doctors who are like, sure, you want to do IVF? Let's do it. You got, you got the, you know, 30 grand here. Let's do it. Right. Right. So I spent probably like the good portion of my like the beginning of my thirties, just like, cause I was single for so long. And it was also this period after my father died so there was just so much going on. I was so isolated. I mean, it's a very long story, but I'm sure you can imagine. And I panicked. I would like panic a lot about like, I'm never going to have a baby, blah, blah. And then people around you don't help, especially like oh. your Italian aunts and oh, well, when are you going to get married? And when are you going to have a baby? You're running out of time. And I remember I would be like, you think I don't know. Yeah. You don't think I think about that. Yeah. I have- you think I don't, I need you yeah. to tell me that I'm running out of time. Yeah. And I remember I did go to a, like a, a fertility doctor, you know, yeah. just to, just to say like, how am I doing? Yeah. I did look into like freezing my eggs. It just didn't seem like it was something for somebody like me. I mean, you know, it's very expensive. Yeah. It's very time consuming. And I remember- and it's not a guarantee. They position it's not a guarantee. guarantee. It is not a guarantee. Right. And very I remember- women I have in my practice use those eggs. Very few women. Really? Because they don't end up needing them because you you, you treat them. Well, doctors are still like, oh, well, I'd still like to do an IVF with you. To oh. I like fresh eggs better than frozen. This is oh. what we're doing. <laughs> and then, yeah, a lot of women wound up just getting pregnant on their own or, you know, it's it's a nice insurance policy, but it's very underused insurance policy. Right. I, I would, the way I looked at it at the time and still now is like, if you are if you are like wealthy enough and it's yeah, not yeah. going to damage you and put you into debt, go for it. For me, that was not the case. It would have been like a sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. But I remember talking to this doctor then, like I think a few years later, just on the phone, I don't remember why, what happened and him saying, you know, maybe I'd gone back for another checkup, something like that. Yeah. He said, I think it was in my mid thirties, early mid thirties. And he said, well, try to get pregnant for the next two months. If it doesn't happen, you know, you should come see me and we'll start treatments. Two months, wow. Yeah. And I was like, really? Again, I just, my instinct was like, it, two, is that it really? Two months? I thought that was just crazy because that doesn't yeah. seem like a very long time. No, they say, I think over 35, the fertility clinics are saying, okay, if you're not pregnant in six months, maybe you should consider the definition of infertility is 12 menstrual cycles you've attempted and not succeeded. Ah. But the research shows that it's 30% of women will not get pregnant in one year of trying is basically it. 
over the age of 35. So there's still 60 some odd, 70% of women that do get pregnant over the age of 35 in one year of trying. And in fact, there's even more research that shows in women like 35 to 40. And then there's another research paper, I think it was like 38 to 42. It's something like 70 to 80% of these women get pregnant when they're trying in their fertile windows within one year of trying. So it happens. So it's really, it's that fertile cliff that they talk about doesn't really exist as much in the research. And in fact, the original research that they they used was from, I have it in my book, it's like from the 1800s. It was like French yes. birth records, like before yes. we had like any sort of like... <laughs> I remember reading like, that at one point. Yeah, it's in my book. It's like, I mean, I could probably pull it up. Because we, it's like this one study will be cited and then it's just, everybody just keeps regurgitating it and nobody looks into it. And then you... Pay attention to it. Right. You find out that this is from like an out, an out crazy outdated... Mm-hmm. 19th century. So the widely cited statistic that one in three women ages 35 to 39 will not be pregnant after a year trying is based on an article published in 2004 in Human Reproduction. Rarely mentioned is the source of the data. French birth records from 1670 to 1830, the chance of remaining childless, 30%, was calculated based on historical populations. In other words, millions of women are being told when to get pregnant based on statistics from a time before electricity and antibiotics, or fertility treatment. Most people assume these numbers are based on large, well-conducted studies of modern women, but they are not. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so there's someone like me in her like early 30s laying in bed in the middle of the night going, I'm running out of time. And it's, it's based it's on over. this. Yeah. I like and that. Then, it's crazy. You know, 35 to 39, 82%. And then there was another um, study, 78% of 35 to 41 year old women are getting pregnant in one year of trying. Anyway, those are great statistics. It does decline with age. Like we're not going to, I'm not denying that, but it's not nearly as significant as we're told. As we're told. And how it seems we can do about it too. Exactly. You can enhance, if you can reverse heart disease is what I would say. If you can reverse heart disease or heal diabetes, like type two diabetes, you sure as hell can improve the quality of your eggs and the the hormones in your body. There's a great way to put it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. We've been talking for a while, but I don't want to let you go without touching on one yes. one particular thing. Also, something that we talk about a lot in the show, which is epigenetics, mm-hmm. uh, what we kind of colloquially call blood memory. That's yeah. a big topic. I like um, that. Blood memory. I've never heard yes, that. blood memory. It's like the poetic term, right? <laughs> and have heard you talk about epigenetics and fertility, and I just was wondering if you could just dive into that for a second, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I talk about it in all my books. I, even the book that was written in 2010, I talked about epigenetics. It just really was at the, the forefront of the epigenetic conversation, but just basically that your genes are not set in stone. If your mom had breast cancer or heart disease or diabetes, it does not mean that you are absolutely destined to get that. The epigenetic influences is like how you live your life determines whether those genes turn on or turn Mm. off and how we age. So you can live your life in a way that's very detached from nature and toxic, if you will, on every level, and you will age prematurely and you will get the diseases that you're predisposed to, but you could also choose to live a different 
way and eat a nutrient dense diet and get enough sleep and meditate and pray and have community and sleep enough that I say sleep and, and you will, you will amplify the good genes in your body and you won't get those diseases. And it's, it's all reversible too. So some will say like, Oh, well, my mom had fertility issues or my mom had three miscarriages. It's like, that is not hereditary. I think 2% of diseases are actually heritable. Everything Mm. like meaning like if mom and dad had it, you're going to have it. And it's like cerebral palsy. And and that's a great option for women to do fertility treatments. And you can genetically screen for things like that. But, But everything else is really how you live your life. And that determines whether those genes turn on or turn off. And you have a lot of control over that. Is there any connection between for instance, if I had very fertile ancestors, you know, the women in my family. Yeah, you can amplify that. Absolutely. Okay. You could also discount it, you know, by how you live your life, but you can absolutely amplify it. That's interesting to me. So, so like both can happen. Maybe just having like a, but even if you don't know the stories, yeah, maybe like far back. I mean, I don't know, like, okay, your great grandmother, you were talking about her. Do you know like how many kids she had on both sides? Like, yeah, I think what was she-, she had two marriages. I think she had um, five or six kids and yeah, I mean, she definitely had kids in her forties and same with my grandmother. I think her last one, my uncle Tom, I think she was 42 or something like that when she gave birth. So like um, and Anna- she had six children, she had miscarriages almost. I, from what I understand, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think she had miscarriage is almost in between every pregnancy. Oh, wow. It was fertile. You know, she had six children over I guess like, a 15 year span or something like that. Yeah. Wow. So anecdotally, you know, I'm wondering, like, even if we know those stories, if we can kind of just even like spiritually and emotionally draw on that to give us kind of strength when, if we're yeah, struggling with absolutely. this, or even just if we're those 30 year olds laying in bed, freaking out. And then even if you can't (laughs) ancestrally, like maybe in your family line, I I always encourage women to like, don't get on the forums with all the negative talk. Like look at some of the, there's, we have a a blog on my site that, you know, we update monthly called stories of hope and we share different stories of, of like get, there's a lot of hope out there and there's a lot of possibility. And so yeah, your, your life becomes a story you tell yourself. I love what you do, you know, overall. And, and the main reason I did want to come see you was because I had originally felt like I was having like hormone issues, imbalances. And then I, I got pregnant very quickly after that. So I still don't know what was going on during that period. I, mm-hmm. I still look back at pictures. I feel like I looked rounder. Like my, I just felt like I was like, I don't know, I was bloated, inflammation. It's still very hard because we never really were able to dive into it, right? Because our work together had to change course. Mm -hmm. But I know that like hormones and gut health are also a big part of what you write about and the work Mm -hmm. you do. And I just want to, I just want to like kind of maybe wrap up with you giving like an overall encouragement and like guidance to the listeners of how those things can affect the quality of your life. Like gut health. I mean, hormones is a big topic. Maybe we can start with gut health. Yeah, absolutely. Like just from the basic premise of if your gut health is compromised, you're not absorbing all of your nutrition from your food. So you're, you're nutrient deficient. That means you're going to be tired. You're going to feel gassy or bloated or just not have the stamina you used to have. And that's fairly depressing. So it like really impacts the quality of your life. And then I also think from a fertility or hormonal perspective, if if your body isn't getting all the nutrition that it needs, and that's like, and I would say nourishment, I would say nourishment. So I would mean mental, emotional, and physical nutritional. 
you're just at a, you know, you're, you're deficient in these things and you're, you're going to be imbalanced, but you can turn that all around. Chinese medicine, I joke, it's like, we've been talking about gut health for 5,000 years. I mean, bone broth has been a part of Chinese medicine for thousands of years. And to us, everything comes from the spleen and the stomach, which are our main digestive organs in Chinese medicine. If we don't take in life, so even emotionally, physically take in life and digest it properly, we will be imbalanced. And, and then if we're not eating good quality food, you know, so processed packaged foods are just the worst thing for us. They got no life force. They're not giving you anything, you know, you need to eat a lot of vegetables and good quality proteins. And we're fans of animal proteins in Chinese medicine and, and broths. And we like things more cooked than raw and very supportive of digestive health, fermented foods, you know, all of these things that we now know are powerful to help yeah. with gut health. I feel like bone broth and broths in general are very traditional in almost uh, every culture. Every culture. There's okay. like, you know, we have what we would call like a maness. It's like a kind of soup, a stew, you know, they're like growing up. That's what my mom would give us if we weren't feeling well yeah, exactly. or just chicken broth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing you can do if you want to be, you can improve your gut health and kind of do something ancestral related and rooted in, yes. in something. It's like one of your grandmother's soup recipes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to wrap it up. It. Yeah. What is on the horizon for you? Where can listeners find you? Cause I'm sure they're going to want to, are you writing another book, et cetera? <laughs> I'm going to be revamping. We're going to do a new edition of Yes, You Can Get Pregnant, which I'm in contract now. So I, I hopefully we'll have it done and out to you guys by the end of 2020, if not early 2021. You can find me and everything I do on my website, amyrup.com. Follow me on social media. You know, I do Facebook and Instagram lives every single week talking about different health topics. Today, we talked about fertility and exercise, and hmm. those are always recorded and you can find them on my site or on my YouTube channel. And yeah, we're always, you know, I'm always working and developing new products and tools on how I can help women all over the world really step into their true power and take, you know, and own their health so they can absolutely they can have babies or do whatever else they want to do. Yeah. Well, love the work you do, obviously. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and remind everybody that as usual, I'll link to all of that in the show notes, you know, your website and your social media and all that. So they can easily find you, but thank you for coming on the show. So good to see your face. Good to see you too. Hope you enjoyed another episode of Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. If you are enjoying the show, again, please consider leaving a review. Uh, please consider subscribing to the show and uh, share the share the show with your friends on social, via email, text, etc. You can find me on Instagram by searching Dolores Alfieri, and um, I'm there as Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. You can visit bellafigurapodcast.com to sign up for my newsletter and get all kinds of news from me now and again. And you can DM me or email me at dolores at bellafigurapodcast.com with your thoughts or with any show ideas you'd like me to pursue. I love hearing from you guys and I keep a record of all your suggestions and definitely plan to pursue all of them. So thanks for sharing this hour with me and with Amy and me to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power. Mm-hmm.